Caregivers, have you ever felt like nothing is going right? Well, cheer up and welcome to Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver Radio Program, where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver host, Dave Nassani. From Los Angeles and New York City, a big L.A. and Big Apple, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg from the Caregiver Space. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. Yes, we're also being simulcast on Caregiver Dave. Okay, get it together here. We're also being simulcast on Facebook Live. I got, I'll get marbles in my mouth. I got to, there, I just spit them out. Okay, so Mar- anyway, we're Facebook coming to you live. live on the on your site, and I am sharing it on Adrian's site as well. Um, but I'll do that uh, after I. I'm get... just, I'm just saying that you can get as many people as you want by saying that. Yes, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, coming to you live and on demand on 16 global audio video platforms, including iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Mixcloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, Facebook Live, HealthyLife.net, and CaregiverDave.com. And we are proud to be voted number two podcast out of the top six caregiver podcasts by Caring.com. And we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. <laughs> Dr. Barry Fleet is a psychologist in private practice, a university professor. That's why he's speaking from his classroom there, you'd notice, and a retired pastor of all things. He became a triathlete at 68. Oh, my God. Wow. A year later, that's not easy, was invited to try out to represent the USA in the age group triathlon. Are Are you ready? Wait for it. World Championships in Rotterdam. Wow. Yeah, I'm feeling really insecure right now. I'm, yeah, I'm feeling very insecure. <laughs> but before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Dr. Nathalie Beauchamp, is an Ottawa-based chiropractor, the author of a recently published book, Hack Your Health Habits, as well as the creator of the Hack Your Health Habits Mastery Program, an online health coaching program. She is also the host of the What the Hack podcast. Nathalie's mission is to help people achieve abundance in health, mind, and life. And a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 16 global and video networks that I mentioned earlier, like iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, etc. All right, enough for that. particularly good. It was particularly good. And yes, all of our podcasts <laughs> are excellent, but that one was particularly it excellent. It was. It was really interesting. <laughs> Dr. Fleet, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, Dave. It's nice to be well, here. Well, it's likewise. And why don't you take a minute or two and introduce yourself? I like to ask my guest just who is Dr. Barry Fleet and why was he put on this earth? That's a great question, and I'm still trying know. to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I've spent my life helping people. 
um, and I, I enjoy helping people feel good about who they are. And um, I think probably the, the psychological background is that um, if you go into the, the dark recesses, um, I've kind of learned early on that it was my job to make my mother feel good about herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so I've spent my life looking for people to help and make feel better about who they are and what they're doing. And wow. just realized uh, in that triathlon event that um, it was time for me to start feeling good about who I am. And that sort of amped up my mission of being much more intentional instead of accidental mm-hmm. about helping people connect with the, the inner magnificence that we all have. It gets covered up by life and lots of stuff, but it never goes away. It's always there. And my mission is to help people, one, two things. One is to help people know that it's there, to remember it, and to get in touch with it and live from it. Um, What's interesting is when we were little kids, we we knew we were magnificent. Everything we did, we thought the world ought to look. Hey, look at me. Look at what I am. Look at what I'm doing. But uh, I don't know if you know, the the average two-year-old hears the word no 400 times a day. Now, what's the average two-year-old doing? Being the average two-year-old. They're just being themselves. And when you get told no 400 times a day, as opposed to being praised 12 times a day, you start to get the message that there must be something inherently wrong with me. And there isn't, but we start believing the lie. And so my, my mission is to help people, people remember that feeling of magnificence that we had when we were children and to live from that place as adults. That might be a longer answer than you were looking for. No, no I thought it was a good answer. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to uh, ask you about the importance of having a plan. What happens if you can no longer take care of your loved one? <clears throat> Yeah, so um, I have a, a very um, storied past. I have lots of different chapters, and one of the chapters in my life was to sell um, long-term health insurance. And what I realized when I was doing that, two things. One is I'm a lousy insurance salesman. <laughs> the other thing is that uh, a lot of us don't have a plan for the what-ifs in life. We don't want to think about the what-ifs. Um, we don't want to think about the fact that we might end up being the caregiver for our spouse or our loved one, um, for our children, for our parents. And, and there's no plan. So we find ourselves in the midst of what feels like a crisis situation without a plan. And uh, I think uh, my son and I have a, a joke between us. It's better to have something and not to need it and not have it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's especially true with a, with a plan for the what-ifs in life. And obviously, we can't anticipate everything. But um, what if something should happen to me? Right now, my wife and I are both healthy. What if something should happen to one of us and be dependent on the other? Um, that's we a scary have put thought. a plan in place for yeah. that. It is, it is a scary thought. And, and, and that's why people don't want to think about it. Yeah, um, I, I wish I would have thought about that because it happened to me. 
22 right. years and ago. I, and I was, I was thinking about that. And, and now the what if is, what if something happens to you? What's the plan? Which you? Me, you, you or you, you? Um, <laughs> I have a plan. Um, so tell us for, about your plan. So, so my plan, because I was in the insurance business, is um, home health care. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is, if something were to happen to me, I'm, I'm a few years older than my wife, and the, statistically, the odds are that at, at some point um, I may become dependent on her physically. Mm-hmm. And so we have insurance that will pay for somebody to come into the house to provide whatever care is necessary for me so that she doesn't have to take on that burden, that role. Burden is too heavy a word, although sometimes I know it feels burdensome. Yeah. Are you talking about long-term care? I'm talking about home health care. Long-term. Which it sounds like long-term care, So the official name. So the difference, it it is. Um, Most people think of long-term care as nursing home care. Um, and there are there are plans that will help you pay for nursing sure. home cares, but this is home care. Uh-huh. So the, this is this is specifically to have people come into your home hmm. and do whatever needs to be done. Whether you need a CNA, whether you need somebody to come in and do some cleaning, some housework, um, whether you just need somebody to to come in and be a companion for a while. How old were you when you got it for yourself? And how much did it cost? And has it gone up? Um, so I was 67 when I got it. Wow. And I'd have to go back and look. I was think it affordable? It's, uh, very affordable. Very really? affordable. Very well, affordable. Very affordable. Because long-term care is very expensive. Mine At that is age, well, it's cheaper if you buy it in, uh, when you're 50. Well, that um, hmm. and again... What I, I don't have nursing home care. Mm-hmm. So if I go into a nursing home, then... Um, that's a different story. Yeah. That's a different story. This is, this is to keep me in my home, I see. which is where most people want to be anyway. Sure. And, and so the, there's some variables in, in the cost. One, it, one variable is um, how long... Can somebody come in? You know, am I gonna am I buying a program where somebody can come in for the next three years or five years or ten years? Um, that will affect the cost. The other is how many hours of care a day am I going to be wanting access to? Yeah. What were um, your you know, numbers if I, if I, for the affordable one a, that you picked up? Um, I think that what I ended up with was either eight or ten hours a day, um, something like that. And and uh, so basically what happens is you you create a, a pool of money through your through your plan. Yeah. And then you only you only use up what you dip into. So let's say for instance that I that I got a plan that would allow me to have eight hours a day for, for five years. Yeah. Well, if I only use if I only use four hours a day, I've extended the plan ten years. I see. I've extended the resource. Um, so it's it's basically how big a pool do I want as the safety net out there or as uh-huh. the resource? Is it more than a couple hundred dollars a month? 
No, it's less than that. And wow. and actually, um, my wife uh, bought a similar plan at the same time, and because he's, he's younger. she is she is younger, it cost just a few dollars more to add her, her onto the plan. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what he's uh, talking the funny about? Thing about it, yes, I do. What's it called? It's it's long term home health care. So it's a long term care policy, but it's yeah. specifically uh, it, for but it, home but it has special stipulations and um, like a, like I mean, a I, I bought I bought a policy when Steve died. I wanted him to get it for me for my fortieth birthday, <laughs> so that it would have been really cheap. <laughs> But what, I got it after he died, so it was very expensive. Um, but I can have round-the-clock home health care for as long as I want it. I, I need to look into mine because if, wow, that's if I need a facility but I'm that's still able wonderful. to stay at home and I can't be alone, I wonder if my plan will allow me to hire someone to come in. I need to look into that. You I can up hire anyone. In other words, if I wanted to hire my best friend, no. I could do that. All right. I'm calling my agent when I get off the phone here. <laughs> and yeah. and, and it's, it, it's really great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you have that. You have that yeah, because I if something were to happen to you, um, somebody could come in to take care of you and also take care of your wife at the same time through yeah. through that through that door. So I have a plan. So so you do have a plan. I didn't you know do I had have a plan. What you also need to understand or what your listeners need to understand is that you have to be healthy enough to get the plan. Yeah, so yeah. don't um, wait until you know, it's too late. Right. One of the most one of the most painful visits I had as an insurance agent got a call from a very wealthy attorney and um, met him in his home and he said that he had just found out the day before um, that his wife was diagnosed with Parkinson's oh. and he wanted to buy long-term care and and I said if he had called me two days ago I could have worked with him right. but now. It's not. It's not before possible. the official diagnosis. Once you get right, that diagnosis, exactly. Yeah. So don't Once go to the, the doctor until the you table. get the plan. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Exactly. Well, let's um, talk and, and about. That's, that's what I see happen. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I said that's one of the things that most people don't want to think about it until it's too late. Yeah, um, that's true. Once that you know, they don't, don't want to think about it in, until something has already happened, mm -hmm. and then they're desperately trying to put something together. And you have so many more options when you put something together before you need it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about now the importance of having a support network. You know, um, apparently uh, your mother uh, could have taken care of your dad, um, but explain about that. Sure. So, um, so my dad had dementia, mm -hmm. and I watched. I watched as he declined. Now they're living in Georgia. I'm living in Rhode Island, so mm -hmm. I'm only there 
Maybe three or four times a year. <laughs> a schlep. Uh, three or four times. It is. It is. I'm there in, in That's a Jewish three, schlep. Three or four times a year. <laughs> and um, I watched the toll that it was taking on my mother increasingly. Uh-huh. But because I came in in, in three-month three intervals, I could see a change. As she was in it every day, she wasn't aware of of the change because mm-hmm. every day was just like the, the day before. Um, but I saw the first thing that, that happens in, with dementia, uh, at some point I have to take the car keys away from my dad. Mm-hmm. So now there aren't now there aren't two drivers. There's only one driver in the house, and and then it becomes not safe to leave him at home alone. Right. For her to for her to go out, um, and then there gets to a point where getting him out is physically difficult. Yeah. Um, because he's had a broken he's had a broken hip, and and he gets confused, and and he was a big guy, and my my mom was a smaller woman. Is and he so violent at all? Um. There were times when he when he got close to being violent. He never he never hit her, but he would get very determined. I remember um, her telling me he would he would wake up three o'clock in the morning um, determined to go to work, uh, and he would get dressed, and he was going to work. Yeah. And <laughs> so for for her to for her to keep him in the house, she had to physically sit down on the floor in front of the door. So that mm-hmm. she she could keep the door closed that way, but if she was standing up, he would just push her out of the way and be gone. Wow! Um, and that's when we when in her case we needed we realized we needed to put deadbolt locks mm-hmm. with keys, not with not with thumb locks, but with right. key locks, um, and then to hide the keys so that mm-hmm. even if he did get to the door, he couldn't get out. And with his dementia, yep. he couldn't figure out to look for the key. To know that was the solution, but that's a long way of saying that as as my my parents got increasingly limited to being in the house, the only way for my mother to be able to get out was to have somebody come in and stay with my dad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that was um, somebody from their friend network. It mm-hmm. might have been somebody that had worked with my dad years previously. Sometimes it was a neighbor. Sometimes it was somebody from the church, but there were people that my mother could call to come and and give her time to get out and do the things that she needed to do for the two of them out in the world. Um, Mm. The the nice thing is that they were so good to her that oftentimes they didn't wait for her to call. Mm -hmm. They just stopped by. They took the initiative. And yeah. said, "Hey, I'm I'm here. I got a couple hours. Why don't you go do what you need to do? I'll I'll sit with Dick, and and he'll be fine." And Good some people would, would would kill for that kind of uh, oh. two hour help, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Not many yes. people volunteer like that. That don't just show up. No. Yeah. All you need is a handful no, of them. And you got it made. That's right. And it's a tribute to my parents and the way they lived life. Yes. And the connections that they made, the relationships that they had um, before all of this happened. Yeah. Um, but but it was because of friends and neighbors and the church mm-hmm. that that my mother was able to keep my dad at home for as yeah. long as she could. Churches and synagogues are very very important uh, mm-hmm. 
or support. You know, they were the ones originally supposed to provide for the poor and the indigent and the needy and the orphans That's and right. widows. You know, not well, welfare. Well, some, <laughs> some of them still they, do. Some of them still do. They do. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, this is a good time for a break. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back, so don't go away. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. We'll help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver. On sale everywhere and at caregiverscaregiver.com. And we're back with Dr. Barry Fleet and my co-host Adrian Gruberg. And you know, you brought up a good point. I, I just started thinking about it. You know, I have a, I, I think it's sad. You know that I. Uh, oh, hold on one second. Here, I think it's perfect. <laughs> Antonio. He can't hear the show, so I'm letting him hear it on my phone. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be bored just hearing one side of the conversation because I'm the boring part, you know. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, you mentioned that if I brought in uh, home care for me because I needed it now, but let's say my wife was still doing okay, but still needs the care that I would have normally provided her, you're saying they would care for like both of us just because they're yes, in the because, same house? Be, because the the whoever is coming in is take is there to take care of your needs. The household, and one of your needs is wow her needs. So technically, she's kind of covered too. I gotta, I gotta look into that, man. <laughs> How come this is yeah. the first time I'm hearing about this, Adrian? <laughs> I don't know. That's I, a good I question. I even thought about that. I wish yeah. I knew you when I was an insurance agent. <laughs> well, my insurance agent sold it to me. I got to talk to him. Uh, well, he as, as like Ricky Ricardo agent. would say, he's got some splaining to do. Splaining. <laughs> well, it sounds like he took good care of you. Well, I got the plan, so that's that's the good <laughs> part about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk about the importance but, but, but of having. Oh, go no, ahead. I was just going to say it's it, it's a good thing to realize that um, obviously your your wife cannot get that kind of coverage now. Right. But right. you are obviously healthy enough to do that. Yeah. And by by taking care of yourself, that puts her under your umbrella. Right. Of right. continuing care. Yeah, and and if you say you got yours at sixty five and it was reasonably priced, I mean, no, sixty. How old? Oh, sixty seven. No, you said I was sixty seven. Sixty seven. Yeah, so I'm only sixty five. So uh, even if my 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 plan doesn't cover it, because I got mine when I was forty nine, believe it or not, it only cost wow. one hundred ten dollars a month. 
And so maybe wow. I can still get that kind of a plan even at my age because I'm, you know, in great shape. Yeah, and, anyway. it may, and it may already be part of the plan. Yeah, it may be. That would be my awesome hunch, if it was. My hunch is that it is. Yeah, because if you can uh, if you can spend the money that they give you, I mean, it has a $400,000 cap, I think. So uh, if you can decide which assisted living or nursing home to go into, why wouldn't you also be able to decide, you know, have someone come in to the house? Because it's roughly the same. I mean, it costs $3,500 for a cheap uh, assisted living that doesn't serve um, – Oh yeah, that's the one that does serve meals. Cost maybe uh, fifteen hundred for the ones that don't, and for a thousand dollars a month, you could probably get someone you know to come in to take care of your needs. So yeah, I, I think it's very possible. But a thousand dollars a month is that is that too low? I think that's way well, too like low. like for eight days. hours, eight hours a day. No, I know, but you're dealing. You'll be dealing with agencies. And, and that, yeah, that, that, that's a good, that's they a good point. They get thirty dollars an hour, don't they? Um, they they often do get between twenty five and thirty dollars an hour, yeah. and it varies from state to state the costs. Right, um, California is one of the high ones. <laughs> but 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 you're right. Um, you know, you said that you're you basically bought a four hundred thousand dollar pool. Yeah, that's the size that's of your money. That's a good pool. number, right? That's a good number. Instead of getting um, the insurance writer, I I just uh, said no to the writer and got. You know, the same amount of money that a writer would have cost me and got as much as I could for that amount. Right. And and again, I would need to look at the at the fine print in your policy, but I would expect that it would uh, cover you at home, not just wait until you get into a facility. I would expect that too, and I'm going to find out for sure. So let's talk about the importance of having a life beyond caregiving. Right, because yes. I, I preach this all the time. Caregivers, uh, you know, they start neglecting their friends. Now they're isolated. They 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 don't have a life anymore. Now they're depressed. Now they start, uh, you know, not showering. Nobody wants to hang around a smelly caregiver. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you get the picture here. Tell us, tell us what you preach over there. Oh, absolutely, because you know it's it's just what. The um, the ad for your book about the the oxygen mask coming down and the the safety check at the airport and the, the airline. If you don't, you can only be a caregiver as long as you are healthy and well. And if the extent to which you allow yourself to deteriorate because of the caregiving, you're actually putting your loved one in jeopardy. Um, you talked about um, getting depressed. The other thing that I saw so often as a pastor is the frustration and the anger. Um, people's emotional bank account gets depleted, mm-hmm. and and it gets frustrating, and it's exhausting dealing with dementia, dealing with with somebody that has limited physical capabilities, and and as you get emotionally depleted. Then you start taking out that frustration on your loved one, and then that just adds, creates a vicious cycle. Then you feel guilty for doing that, and then you just start beating yourself up, and then that makes you more frustrated. So I, I'm a big advocate of take care of yourself, and that's the biggest favor you can do to your loved one. 
yeah. is to have a to have a life beyond the caregiving. Because Easier said you, than done, though, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely, is. absolutely. Um, it is. It is absolutely like most things in life. Easier said than done. <laughs> but but it's so important, um, and and the the important things are often difficult. But if if your commitment is to being a a good caregiver, one of the necessities is maintaining a life beyond the caregiving, um, whatever whatever that is. Yeah. Um, Don't neglect with, the hobbies, the interests. If you like to ride your bike, find somebody to ride a bike with once a week or twice a week. You know, whatever it is. If you like. Absolutely. To. I joined absolutely. Toastmasters. I started riding my bike. Uh, you know every. Um, uh, I think it's like twice a year in Mexico. I used to go with my buddy down to Mexico. We'd ride from Rosarita Beach to Ensenada. And, oh, how uh, fun! How fun! Some, some think that's dangerous, but that's part of the excitement, you know. But <laughs> it, of course, that's my wife that's won't what... let me do it now because I got into this uh, bicycle accident because a, a car hit me. It wasn't my fault, and I broke my ankle and I limped for two years now. She's and your ankle doesn't care. Let me go. Your your ankle doesn't care whose fault it was. No. <laughs> <laughs> Besides, she told me not to go out that particular day because the sun had gone down. It was dark. Even though I had three lights on me, yep. people don't see bikes. Yep. But right. if I would have only listened to her, I could have avoided so much pain. <laughs> and she never let me forget it. <laughs> I'm, I'm part of the ongoing pain. <laughs> Well, the importance of having someone uh, who can help make uh, rational decisions versus those based on emotional, um, you know, would you say uh, uh, you had some personal experience with that with your mother's? Uh, or, uh, yeah, I did. Somebody broke their hip. Was that your mother or your father? It was, it was, it was my dad. It was my okay. dad. Um, but back up a little bit. Um, when I did get into the insurance business for a while, I realized that my parents didn't have a plan. Mm -hmm. um, so we sat down one night and I said, we're going to have a conversation that none of us want to have, but we're going to have it once and then we won't need to have it anymore. And we talked about um, what they wanted for their funerals, um, how they wanted all of that handled and got all of those details all written down um, so that that's all there and when the time came it was easy to just pull out a piece of paper and now we're not guessing what what anybody wanted right um, but uh, the um, I forgot the question Dave I've sidetracked myself well you were talking about advanced directives there for the moment uh, oh so uh, as a part of that um, I had them name me as the um, power of attorney for healthcare, the decision maker. The decision maker, and and usually what couples will That's do wise. is they will they will make their spouse the right. decision maker. Mm -hmm. And then if something happens to the two of them, it's right. a mess. At the same time. So um, I was the I had the power of the decision maker. My dad broke his hip two different occasions. Once he broke his femur. Once he broke his hip. Mm. But um, but his his dementia was increasing, advancing this whole time. After the second time he uh, the second break he was in rehab, and I I was watching the toll that it was taking on my mother 
trying Very to take so. care of him. And um, they were talking about discharging him. Um, <laughs> and, and I I knew that they were discharging him from rehab. Mm -hmm. my, my mother assumed they were discharging him back home. And, and I knew that it wasn't safe for him to go back home and have her try to provide 24-hour care for him. Yeah. So um, I set it up so that, and I kept telling my mother, I'm not sure that they're really discharging him from, you know, to go home. They're just saying your time in rehab is done. Mm -hmm. uh, because with rehab, um, you're, you're limited to 90 days or as long as you're making progress. Once you stop making progress in the rehab, you're discharged for, from the Medicare program or for Medicaid. So um, I arranged a conference call so that I could be vocally present at the discharge meeting. Mm -hmm. yeah. And once the, once the meeting was over, I asked everybody there, I said, I want to go around the table and said, I want you in your capacity. Do you think it is it is safe for him to go back home? And everyone, one by one by one, they all said no, 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 no. And I said, He was there listening. Uh, no, he was not there. My mother okay. was there, nice. and my and my one of my sisters was there, and we had we had already set it up to be sort of good cop, bad cop. Right. Um, and I I told my sister how it was going to go down, mm -hmm. and and I said after the phone conversation is over, you can talk about what a miserable, insensitive brother you have, <laughs> um, but, um, but this is how it's going to go. And so I, I said that, that he was going to be discharged to a nursing home facility. And my mother got up. As soon as I said that, she got up. She slammed the door so hard, mm -hmm. uh, people in the building thought a bomb had gone off somewhere. <laughs> oh. And she went for days without speaking to me. She was so angry. But after about 10 days or so, she thanked me um, because she realized it was a decision she could never have made. As his wife, she could never have made the decision that she couldn't take care of him any longer. So that's um, why she was mad, because she wanted to be the person to take care of him at home. Absolutely. But was in Absolutely. denial about what that really involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing about that is, after my dad broke his hip the first time, I talked to my mother about alternative care for him, and she didn't want to hear it. And I, so that's the emotional piece. But I and, and one of my sisters went ahead and we did some research. We found, we interviewed and toured a, a bunch of different facilities. Mm -hmm. This goes, goes back to the plan. So that if, if it came to the point where, in my judgment, because I'm now the decision maker, it isn't safe, then where are we going to go? And so we already knew we had a plan in place. And it was just a matter of calling these people and saying, hey, do you have a bed? Because mm -hmm. we, we need it. And, and that was an easy transition. So, um, and, and we had set it up so that my mother could, now she could um, stay at home, get up in the morning, have her morning coffee, get dressed at her leisure, 
go to the nursing home, visit yeah. with my dad, feed him so lunch. Yeah. Um, he he would take a nap. She could go home and take a nap or go to the grocery store, whatever. <laughs> whatever. She, she could go back to the nursing home, be with him for supper, be with him as he got put to bed, and then and she could go home. He's got 24-hour care. He's got 24-hour care. All night long. And, and his dementia was at the point uh, with his broken hip the first time, he needed to use a walker. But he didn't remember that he needed to use a walker, and so he mm -hmm. would get out of bed and yeah, yeah. try to go to the bathroom. So I found out she was sleeping, holding on, physically holding on to him, so oh. that if he tried to move, it would wake her, which Amazing. told me that she wasn't really sleeping at all. Right. <laughs> she was laying there with her eyes closed. Waiting, waiting for something terrible this to happen. This is such an important message because this is so, so common. Uh, many of this starts with, with a silly promise that they made to each other. Don't ever send me to a nursing home. Repeat after me. I, you will never right. take me to... What do you do with these people who made these promises that I will never put you in a nursing home? How do, how do they get out of that? How do they weasel their way out of that one? Um, it's a tough one. I, I think, and again... As a pastor, what my, my argument to them was, your commitment was to give them the best care possible. And it was in that spirit that you made that promise. Right. It, has, it has now gotten to the point where you can no longer do that alone. And if the, the spirit of your promise was having your loved one have the best care possible. And right. so having them in a facility where they could get 24-hour care, that's the spirit of the commitment. And it's, it's painful. There's just no other word for it. It's a painful decision. But it's a decision that is ultimately made out of love, not guilt. Yeah, and I tell caregivers all the time how, how to get out of it. You go back to your loved one that you made this silly promise. And I says, you know, I made a promise. Yeah, I'd never put you in a nursing home. But I realized I made a terrible mistake. I want to renege on that promise right now. That promise is null and void. But I'm going to make a new promise that I will give you the best care possible. There you go. And right now, that is not with me because I can't watch you 24-7. And you can come up with a couple of examples. You broke your hip because of that. You... You uh, went out wandering because of that, whatever right. it is. Whatever. And right. it, and that's how you actually tell them. And if they're reasonable enough to understand, listen, great. If they're not, well, they're not going to listen anyway. You just have to do it. But or the, have the, someone like you, the decision maker, do it for them. Mm -hmm. um, the, but the, the important step in that is we have to come to terms in oh. our own mind that that's the, that's the most loving thing to do. Right. That's the um, and, hardest one. And that's the hardest one. Once once we have convinced that part of us, <laughs> then then giving the message to our loved one becomes a much easier step. Yes. But it has to come from a place of conviction within ourselves. Yes. We need to take another break. We'll be right back because time is slipping away from us. Don't mm -hmm. go away. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. 
Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back with Dr. Barry Fleet and my beautiful co-host, Adrian Gruberg of the Caregiver Space. 165,000 strong. God bless her. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be just like her. <laughs> we all need role models. Yes, we all need role models. <laughs> well, yeah, the importance of being off the clock, uh, that's what we're talking about. Um, how about the importance of just asking for help? You know, I, I cut my thumb off, almost almost cut it off, down to the ligament, down to the bone, because I was using my skill saw, which I know how to use. <laughs> been using one for decades. But it was a long piece of molding, and I, for some reason, I didn't want to ha- bother someone to hold the other end. Yeah. Caregivers don't like to ask for help. You know, they don't want to be indebted. They they don't want to trouble somebody. They don't want to be any trouble, uh, any inconvenience to them. And it got away from me. And I'm the caregiver's caregiver. And even I can't ask for help. What's all that about? Well, a lot of that is about pride. Um, (laughs) and, (laughs) And And for some of us, and I say us, um, we like to think we can do everything ourselves. Absolutely. And, and, that, yeah, and right. that just, whether, whether it's cutting a piece of molding with a skill saw or taking care of our loved one. Isn't that what the two-year-old says? Do it myself. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we take great pride in being able to do everything ourselves. Yes. Yes. Um, but think about hmm. times when somebody asked you to do you a favor. Yeah. And and how you felt everything. how you felt being asked and how you felt knowing that you made a difference in somebody else's life, that you made life easier for them in in whatever way it was. And so the decision to be to needed not, is a great need that most people have. The need to a, be needed. It's a gift that we aren't giving. Um, instead of thinking of it as as our neediness, this is an opportunity for us to give a gift to somebody else and let them feel good about helping us. Because there are lots of folks out there that would love love to be needed, and Tell me about they're just they're just waiting they're just waiting for somebody to to say, "Hey, can you help out?" And what about and it, knowing knowing your limits? Yeah, so. That's that's again. That's a tough one. Um, you knew better about holding that piece of molding, didn't you? Or did <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> I did know better. I know. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm a fix-it man. You know, I'm a yeah. jack of all trades, master of all. Absolutely. I, you're my brother. <laughs> it's the curse. <laughs> it's the curse of masculinity. So your um, mother would give uh, your dad the meds that she thought that he needed. Yeah. You know, that's that's where what? those of us that like to be in control, um, mm-hmm. She would she would observe him and she would decide. Well, he doesn't need the antidepressant today. Where did she um, we'll get her uh, medical uh, degree from? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, funny story about that. Um, after after my dad uh, made his transition, um, I sensed that my mother was really depressed um, for lots of reasons, understandably so. And I had her talk to her primary care about her depression and he prescribed medication for her. and um, so a couple of months later I asked her I say mom how's that going with the antidepressant she said Barry it's great she said I get up in the morning if I feel depressed I take an antidepressant and I feel great during the day and I said mom that's not how it works <laughs> <laughs> and with great sincerity she looked at me she said Barry that's how it works for me <laughs> But it's, a, it's, a, Take a placebo. It's, a, it's a wonderful testimony to the placebo effect. That's how it worked for her. And but that's that's how she would would think about my dad. And you know, she got her medical degree the same place you got yours. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's 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 hard. I think it comes from a place of helplessness <clears throat> and powerlessness, and we're trying to do something to make the situation better. And a lot of the choices we make aren't wise ones, but we want to. It, it's hard to to feel helpless and do nothing, and and it's a way to to take or to feel like we're controlling something in the process. Yeah, you're talking about all the stuff we talk about, you know, to make caregivers uh, put their needs first, and and you know. Instead of, uh, I, whenever I ride my bike, riding up a big steep hill, you know, sometimes it gets a little depressing. Looking to, at the top of the hill, seeing how much further I have to go, and I'm I'm getting tired. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've learned to just look behind me and see how far I've come, and I said, "Wow, I I did pretty good. I can I've come further than I need to go, and so it just gives me a second win." And caregivers need to do that too. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Let's talk, about, talk about your book. What is your book all about? And the title: Move into your magnificence. Explain. <laughs> so, as, as as I said at the beginning of the show, my contention is as a uh, as a psychologist and also <clears throat> as a pastor. Um, I, as a psychologist, I come from the positive psychology field, uh, the humanist perspective <clears throat> that says that we all have uh, something magnificent inside of us that is just part of being human. And and it gets covered up. I, I talked about the two-year-old. Um, in my book, I tell a couple of stories. Um, when I was um, in second grade, the short story is my school burned down. I was a kid who loved to go to school. I couldn't wait to go to school. And I would be offended when um, a teacher would not assign homework because I knew the way you learn is by doing homework. And I'd go home and sit I in front of I hate guys and... like you. <laughs> well... That's okay, uh, but I would I would go home and sit in front of my little chalkboard and I would make up homework for myself to do. That's a riot. But, but um, one day, uh, one evening, the the school caught fire and burned, and it was a oh, small. I bet community. that depressed you. <laughs> no, what happened? I was standing there, um, watching the school burn, 
and I didn't realize it until it was called to my attention. But the big kids, that's like the third and fourth graders, um, came up to me and said, Barry, why are you crying? And that's when I realized there were those silent tears that were coming down my cheeks. And with the deepest sincerity, I looked at them. I said, we're not going to have school tomorrow. <laughs> and, and they all laughed at me. But, but I realized years of therapy later that I made a decision that day as a little six-year-old, don't ever let anybody know how you really feel, because if you do, they'll laugh at you. I see. And I, and I put, a, put a barrier up. Um, and I, I share all of this in my TED Talk. You can go to my website, drberryfleet.com, and watch my TED Talk, Move Into Your Magnificence. I saw and I that. Used, I used the analogy of a geode, that on the outside, a geode looks like a rock. But to a geologist, they know that if you break that open, on the inside, they're beautiful crystals. Oh. And that's how a lot of us are. We're going through the world with our layers of protection, mm-hmm. and we look like ordinary rocks. But if anybody can break in to the, to the center, to the core of us, there's beautiful stuff there. There's magnificent stuff. And, and so that's what I'm about, is reminding people that we've got magnificent stuff in us. And being committed to finding ways of getting in touch with that and living from our magnificence instead of living from all of our layers of protection. Yeah. Hey, we have something in common. We both did a TEDx talk. Yeah. You're my bro. (laughs) Where is Bryant U? Bryant University is in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Oh, I wasn't too far from you. I was in um, Wilmington, Delaware. Yep. Hop, skip, and a jump. Well, well, in East Coast language, yeah. It's probably, probably what, eight or ten hours? uh, Philadelphia. Okay, so seven hours to Philadelphia. If we're walking or driving? (laughs) No, if we're we're driving and if the traffic isn't bad. Right. (laughs) Well, that does sound pretty far, doesn't it? Well, and the importance of giving credit to yourself for what you can do, as I said. Uh, the importance of recognizing both your own and your loved one's inner magnificence. That's, yeah, and, and that's, that's important. In, in, in order to be a caregiver and to do it well, we have to continue to see the magnificence that is there in what sometimes is the shell of something that was. Mm. And I think about my dad with his dementia. Um, when, when my dad made his transition, I had already lost my dad years before that actually yeah. happened. Um, and so it was, it was a body that looked like my dad, but my dad wasn't there. Um, but to continue to see the magnificence of the man that he was is what allowed us all to continue to love and care for him. Yeah. Um, and so we need to see that in, in the, in the loved one, but also to claim it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you say to the people who say, I'm not going to go visit my mother. She doesn't even know I'm there doesn't recognize me anymore. What do you say to them? Um, well, in my nicer times, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I ask them what they're afraid of. Because my experience is that the reason that they're not going is because of what happens to them emotionally when they do go. Absolutely. They have trouble with the emotions that get stirred up. And so they rationalize staying away. 
But what I know is that somewhere inside them, they don't feel good about the decision they're making. And I want people to make decisions they feel good about. And oftentimes when I can get people to identify the fear and we can we can kind of take that off the table and mm-hmm. realize that that the person that they love may not know, but but we don't know what they know. We just have our perception. Yeah. And and who's to, who's to say what they know? Um, we know when in dealing with with people who are unconscious or seemingly unconscious that the the sound the hearing is the last sense to go and so even though they might not be able to physically respond um, they can still hear the voice and hear the message and know that that we're there and so I think it's important for us to go to honor the relationship that was and to not let our feelings get in the way of yeah. the, the greater feelings of feeling good about the decisions we're making. Yeah. I take a slightly different trek when I tell people. Um, there was a book that I skimmed through one time. It was called Moments. I don't remember the author. I, I, I should really uh, promote that book because it's a great book. It talks about how dementia patients, Alzheimer's patients, just have moments. You know, They might have like a 30-second moment. Yes, similar, yes. Similar to, you know, the the movie The Notebook, you know. Yeah. And yep. then and then it's all clear. of a sudden it's, it's gone, you know. Or you might put some headphones on them of of 40s music uh during the war that would yeah, bring yeah. them back and then Always. all of a sudden they're gone. And and you know they live for the moments and and you can experience the moments with them. And even if that moment only lasted five seconds or ten seconds, you know, they were there for five seconds, now they're gone. You know, after the moment, yeah. they, they still feel very good. They feel calm. They don't know why they feel calm. They don't know why they feel happy. They don't know why they feel peaceful. Well, it's because they just had a moment, but they don't know it. Yeah. But yeah. you automatically, just just by showing up, oh, so-and-so is here, and then they'll forget, well, who are you? You know, but for that right. brief moment. Right, right. doesn't matter. You know, you've made them a little happier, a little more comfortable, and so that's kind of what I tell them. And I had I had one of those one of those moments with my dad in his dementia, and we were sitting there, and he was for the most part talking nonsensically, and all of a sudden he turned and he looked at me, and I don't even know what the prompt was, but he said, "Barry, you have to have something to retire to, not just something to retire from." And this was a man who took early retirement, and that was the beginning of his dementia. Now, whether that was coincidence or not, I don't know. But but he recognized, some part of him recognized, that when he retired to nothing, yeah. his life started to go downhill. Yeah. But, but I have that gem um, that will stay with me forever and that yeah. I share with other people. And it, and it came out of that cloudy dementia there was that moment of mm-hmm. wisdom well i can't believe so again you, how fast time flies when you're having fun people say oh you got an hour interview that takes so long i said no it goes actually pretty fast <laughs> very, very fast <laughs> i looked so, at i looked at the clock and i couldn't believe how I quickly know. this well, had gone this, you know uh, time flies when you're having fun come, come so how do you get a hold of you 
doctor <laughs> and you want uh, somebody wants your book, I know they've got to wait. When is it coming out? Coming out late late summer. It's called it's about Move the time my book is coming out too, my fourth book. We got Maybe something we'll, else in common. We'll launch them together. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you have a website, you have an email. Um, Barry, it's Barry with one R, B-A-R-Y, mm. at drberryfleet.com. Um, is found is out it D-R? D-R. D-R. B-A-R-Y, F-L-E-E-T. I found out, I, I wanted to, my initial... Uh, website was was barryfleet.com but most people spell Barry with two R's and if you go to Barry Fleet with two R's you go to a trucking company <laughs> so that wasn't helpful for me <laughs> so it's 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 doctor with dr dr did you did you purchase the domain of doctor with the two R's just for those who make I did I did a boy I did a boy I have so many old. websites protecting so many domains <laughs> protecting so many domains. Yes, it's yes. Crazy. It, 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 it feels crazy sometimes, but yeah. we do what we gotta do. Adrian, how do we get a hold of you? It's Adrian at the caregiverspace dot org and it's the caregiver space on Facebook and the caregiverspace dot org for the website. Yes, Adrian has amazing uh, chat rooms. Um, is that what you, what I call them, chat rooms? Mm-hmm. For different kinds of caregivers, uh, daughters, sons, spouses, uh, after, LBGT. After caregiving. After caregivers over, care, caregiving's over, and so on. Great place to get uh, chats and stuff. I'm at caregiverdave.com, your one-stop shopping. We have three free gifts for you. Just go there, check it out, no obligation. Click the send my free gifts. And <laughs> um, we also have a, a membership website that you can sign up for. I always say to the people who love caregivers, send a caregiver uh, or go to our website and buy them a membership, and you'll be probably saving their lives, a third of the population our caregivers, and strangely enough, a third of caregivers actually die before their loved ones do. So we're really giving the gift of life. Um, anyway, all my listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in, Dr. Fleet, Adrian, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks. Dave, this Bye-bye. has been delightful. Delightful. It thank has you. been delightful. Okay. We should do it again sometime. <laughs> I'd like that. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program with Dave Nassani.